Hello everybody and welcome to Ladies Who Switch. It's the start of the England International Summer and the home team have named their squad for the Ashes Test Match. I'm joined by my colleague Valkyrie Baines who will be covering all the action from the ground, who's been following the build-up and who knows exactly what we can expect from this England team. So Valkyrie, a couple of new names in the Test Squad, Danny Gibson and Lauren Filer. I don't know how many of our listeners will know too much about them. What can you tell us? Yeah, so they were the only two new names uh, thrown into the mix, but really interesting. They both play for Western Storm in regional cricket over here. Uh, Gibson's an all-rounder. She actually opens for them in T20s and then sort of bats middle order in the 50-over format. Um, she's been scoring runs for them, but also taking wickets. Uh, she took a pretty pivotal four for 23 and bowled beautifully at the death, taking two wickets in the last over during the Storm's last game against Central Sparks in the Charlotte Edwards Cup. Uh, by that stage, they were out of contention for finals day but she certainly caught the eye of uh, England women's head coach John Lewis and uh, yeah and and gained selection basically to add a little bit of flexibility with bat and ball um, Lewis described it as and he also said she's one of the informed cricketers in the country so she was in South Africa actually as a traveling reserve for that T20 World Cup back in February so she has been on the radar for a while and then sort of performing well domestically since the season started here, gained her selection. And Lauren Filer's a 22-year-old seamer who apparently can swing the Red Dukes ball, uh, which is handy for this Ashes test. Um, and Lewis said she can bowl as fast as anyone around the country. So uh, Izzy Wong, who's also in the squad, she made her debut in that test against South Africa last year. She's got a fair bit of pace about her. She was uh, clocked at around the 70-mile-an-hour mark in uh, when she was 17 a couple of years back now um, but then sort of a, a, a lot of talk was was about whether she could hit the 80 clicks mark and that's quietened down a little bit now um, I guess just you know as she sort of focuses on uh, you know taking wickets and, and cementing herself in that England squad but um, but yeah it's basically Phyla adds another seam bowling option um, to, to those uh, stocks that have been, I guess, somewhat diminished by the retirement of Catherine Siverbrunt before the test last year. Yeah, it seems like England have a lot at their disposal. I mean, you're mentioning some really great bowlers with some exceptional qualities. And I do wonder if we'll be keeping an eye on the speedometer, seeing if anybody's going to break any records. You know, we saw this year what we think was one of the fastest balls in the white ball game, where Shabnam Ismail was 128 kilometers an hour. You'll have to convert that to miles very quickly. But um, it also seems as though England have got got the services of, of Kate Crossback. And I know she was battling an illness, do you think she'll be fully fit? What's her, her health status right now? And, and how do you think she'll uh, perform in this next couple of weeks? Yeah, so she's really important because she adds experience to that seam bowling attack for England, which is quite young. We just mentioned Lauren Filer, if she plays, hasn't played a test before. Uh, Izzy Wong and Lauren Bell, who both both made their debuts in that test last year. Um, so yeah, she adds really vital experience. Now, Kate Cross has been suffering from a parasitic illness for a while now, um, really knocked her about. And uh, I think she went through several different attempts with um, various medications to try and uh, knock it on the head and was really struggling with that. Uh, apparently sort of the, the last medication option they were going to try before 
they ran out of ideas, um, seems to have worked. And she has actually said that she doubted, you know, even a month ago that she would be selected for this test squad. But um, she was given the all clear last week. Uh, so, you know, that basically means um, full fitness, fit enough to be um, selected. And um, yeah, she, as I say, she adds real um, experience there where, you know, uh, England sort of probably don't have it in that seam bowling department. Yeah, sounds pretty exhausting for her. I mean, she's going to have to turn up and and play potentially five full days of cricket on the back of what sounds like quite a dramatic illness. And I guess that's the difference between this test match and some of the other women's tests we've seen is that this is a five-day test match. Do you anticipate that that is going to bring a difference to the game? Does that extra day really matter? Yeah, look, that's really interesting. I mean, I guess we'll wait and see. There's only been one other test played over five days in the women's game, and that was when Australia hosted England back in 1992. So it's a bit of an unknown. I understand you've been digging into a few statistics and numbers on five days versus four days. What were you able to uncover there? Yeah, so after we chatted to Nadine de Klerk in our previous pod, one of the things that came up, apart from kind of whether women's tests should be played given the lack of Red Bull practice experience, was why it is that we have so many drawn women's tests. And the stat that we had was that around about two out of every three women's tests are drawn. The last six tests have been drawn. And we just can't really get to the bottom of why that is, especially given that you'd think without a lot of Red Bull practice, maybe the batters are are not really equipped to build innings over long periods of time. But one of the arguments that's been made, and it's come from a combination of the stats department and a little bit of, I guess, just what I've seen over the years, is that maybe there's a bit of a lack of pace. And so if you've got bowlers that are not bowling quickly enough and not forcing enough errors, the batters tend to relax a little bit. They know that they maybe don't have as much time. I know it's only one day fewer than five days, you know, four days versus five days. So many men's tests don't even go four days these days. But there tends to be a little bit more hanging back, a little bit more hesitance, maybe more time to build an innings. And then you end up with things just kind of meandering and petering out because you don't have this pace. Maybe the pitch is not deteriorating to the point where the spinners are really coming into it. And it sort of seems a bit pedestrian. And so one of the arguments that was put forward by some of our stats guys was that maybe the additional day and now that you've mentioned some additional pace uh, from the likes of Lauren Philo or Izzy Wong could could bring about a result and we could actually see that string of draws being broken one way or the other I suppose either England or Australia could win and it could make a really good case and solid argument for playing five-day tests if they are going to play tests in women's cricket because ultimately I think people want to see a winner and a loser there's definitely an excitement value to a draw and nine wickets down last hour of play that sort of thing but I do think that especially in the baseball era especially given the rise of white ball games throughout women's and men's cricket and leagues, people want to see a winner and a loser. And I really hope that that's what you get at Trent Bridge in the next couple of weeks. Uh, It sounds to me also like the players hope so, because we've seen quite a lot of verbal argy-bargy, let's call it. We had uh, Lauren Winfield-Hill saying a couple of words around whether she thought Australia were, were there to be beaten. And then we had Alyssa Healy biting back a little bit. Have you kept an eye on that? Is there a little bit of niggle? Is it almost like Stuart Broad saying the last ashes didn't count? 
Yeah, there has been a little bit of, um, you know, verbal flying around. I mean, I think last month, Emma Lamb had said, you know, the Australians are human. Uh, Lauren Winfield-Hill, as you mentioned, had, had suggested that there are flaws that can be exploited in the Australian camp. And even uh, sort of earlier uh, this year, Izzy Wong said that she didn't think it was a bad time to play the Australians. And that was long before Meg Lanning had pulled out of the tour as well. So yeah, there has been, um, you know, plenty of suggestions that, you know, there's, you know, a, a rivalry there, but that's not news. And I think I would be, in terms of, you know, the fact that their rivals isn't news, I should say, obviously it's news when they, they say things like this, but I would be more worried if, England were saying, well, Australia invincible, there's no way we can beat them. Um, you know, we may as well then not turn up in Nottingham next week, right? So I think, you know, they, they have to sort of stand up to, to the Australians any way that they can. And, and, um, as, as, um, as they do, I mean, Alyssa Healy has, um, sort of hit back a little bit, sort of uh, jumping in and, and responding when asked. And, um, you know, that's, that's to be expected. It's the stand-in skipper. She'll be captain in Meg Lanning's place and she's sticking up for her team. So I think it all adds to the drama and the build-up and it, it, it's no, no bad thing. I'd be more worried if there wasn't any chat, to be honest. Yeah, and I suppose it dovetails nicely with what's happening in the Men's Ashes series where we know, we expect that there's going to be a couple of words flying around. We had the whole blow-up around Stuart Broad talking about the COVID-played series. And I must be honest, I kind of sympathise with him. It feels like much of the last three years may not have actually happened at all. But the Australians didn't take too kindly to that. And I just wonder now with the men's ashes kind of on the doorstep and the women's about to start, do you feel as though playing these two series side by side and having the public interest just zoned in on this really massive event in cricket is going to ensure that there's enough attention given to both and does it feel like the presence of a little bit of needle a little bit of of words being being said is going to just hype up the profile of both of these series I guess not that the men's needs any hyping up yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great thing that they're running uh, concurrently and, and they're being promoted uh, hand in hand. I mean, there's the Ashes to Ashes uh, sort of promotional campaign um, going on here. And, and um, yeah, it, I think it, it can only be a good thing. Um, we've spoken before on this podcast about the ticket sales for the women's going really well. And, and I do feel too that having that World Test Championship here uh, in London involving the Australians has really, for me, kicked off the build-up really nicely to the whole sort of summer of cricket because you've got Australia as the champions now about to embark on on the men's uh, ashes and and you know we know that the women's are running alongside so I, I think it's a terrific build-up and I think it's really great I mean we'll see at the end of the both series um, how it all goes but I think it's brilliant that they're going hand in hand. Yeah we saw Alyssa Healy present at that World Test Championship final supporting Mitchell Stark her other half and I guess between the two of them they won't have any room in their home for all the medals and trophies that they've collected but what kind of stand-in captain do you think she's going to make I mean we spoke extensively in the last pod about Meg Lanning pulling out and perhaps what that will do to Australia they use words like rattled to describe her absence and of course we don't know the exact reason that she is unable to make the trip but uh, Alyssa Healy is an experienced player and she seems to have a lot of the the spunk and the charisma needed to lead the team what do you think she's going to do over the course of the series Oh, absolutely. I, I think she'll be a, a brilliant standing captain. Uh, she, I mean, she had to do it last year when Meg Lanning was on that break, as we've discussed previously. And um, yeah, I think, you know, she's 
incredibly experienced. She's a really tough character, um, or that's at least you know how she projects, and um, and a really good leader. I think you know I think she'll bring the team along with her. You know that's that's um, that's a given to me. Um, yeah, and I, I think she's a great leader, and I, I think she'll you know she'll be really good in that role. She's she's got the experience, and and um, yeah, I I don't think the Australians will worry too much going forward that Lanning's not there obviously they were when she pulled out and that was a bit of a surprise but I think um I think I mentioned last week that I think they're pretty good at parking that sort of thing and and sort of just getting on with the job at hand so yeah I I think she'll be great yeah and while all this international cricket beckons and is right around the corner for you and I'm sure you're very excited and maybe almost packing your bags already to head off to Trent Bridge There was some domestic action last weekend, so the Charlotte Edwards Cup reached its conclusion, finals day, and I suppose, I don't know whether expected or not, but to see Anya Shrubsole, one of, I guess, the English heroes, and I certainly remember her from the 2017 World Cup final and the way that she performed there, saying that that is the end for her, and that's after bowling her team to victory, really. What was that like, and were you expecting her decision? Yeah, no, that uh, wasn't necessarily expecting her decision immediately after the game. She is going to play the 100 this season in August, and then that will be it as far as um, her playing career goes, stretching back 19 years. Um, and, you know, such a wonderful servant of, of England women's cricket. I mean, she, she's got 227 wickets from 173 games for her country. And she'd already retired from international cricket, and I... I remember really vividly the one-day World Cup final uh, in New Zealand at the start of last year. She was at the um, at the wicket when um, when Australia won that final against England, and she you could just see the tears start to well up in her eyes as as you know they lost and and I can just remember sort of it, it was almost like you were there with her it just meant so much and she may well have known sort of at that time that that was going to be her last appearance for England she retired a very short time after that game um but yeah has been playing um regional cricket here in England still um was really pivotal in that final of the Charlotte Edwards Cup, which was interesting in itself because that went to a reserve day. Um, it seems that Worcester on Saturday was about the only place in the country not basking in gorgeous summer conditions. Um, a thunderstorm and heavy rain uh, ended things with the the blaze 53 for four overnight, and they had to come back on Sunday and finish the final. And Southern Vipers, uh, Shrubsole's team, got over the line. Now, interestingly, uh, the Vipers had got into the final um, in the uh, playoff um, earlier against the Thunder. That was off the back of Danny Wyatt, 76 off 50 balls. Uh, she then came back uh, and scored another 27 ball 50 uh, in the final to help get her side over the line along with Shrub Souls 2 for 24 uh, with the ball. So Wyatt played a really pivotal um pivotal part in uh, in the Vipers taking that trophy uh, and she ended the competition as the leading run scorer and now we see Danny Wyatt in the England women's test squad for that Ashes series uh, and that that's really interesting because she's played 245 times for England but never a test match um, 
So she's going to play for England A against the Australians in a three-day warm-up this week at Leicester. And that's another chance for her to sort of show what she can do in the longer format and really push her name uh, forward to play her first test match. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, the incumbent openers are Tammy Beaumont and Emma Lamb. They uh, they played that test against South Africa last year. And, um, yeah, but Wyatt's got a golden opportunity here to go out and, and show what she can do with the red ball. Yeah, what a stat that is. It really just speaks to everything we've been discussing around women's test matches. 245 internationals and could be on the cusp of a test debut. If she does get there, if they do decide to go for her, it would seem like it would be, I suppose, primarily on the back of some shortest format form. But what do you think she'll bring in terms of the dimension to the opening partnership? You've mentioned the two that are already there. Are we going to see a bit more of a basketball in the women's game? Will the England batters just go out there and bat completely fearlessly and, and try and get runs and get them quickly? And then maybe that result that we're talking about that's not a draw is on the cards. Yeah, I wonder. That's a really good point because um, John Lewis obviously came from the men's setup, so he's no stranger to this e- basketball sort of ethos. Um, and so it it could be a way they want to go. Um, Danny Wyatt's sort of with the white ball formats had sort of shifted up and down the order a little bit. And I think I remember, I remember an interview with her um, when she had a really good innings um, saying, you know, I, I, I've batted in nearly every position and that kind of thing. And um, so, I mean, I guess she can do it um, as an opener or, or come in, you know, like lower down the order to, to have a bit of a swing, but I guess it's a, it's a risky tactic in tests because women play them so rarely um you know it's it's going to be sort of tricky they're sort of trying to wrap their head around how best to approach this long format and yeah whether that's the way to go I mean I mean maybe the fact that they don't do this very often is an argument to say hey go out and and have a go you've got to got to try it sometime so that that'd be really interesting actually to see if that's the way they go or if they go okay we've got five days here we need to build this and uh, and see how they they approach it, but yeah, it'll be really interesting. Yeah, I almost get the feeling that this women's Ashes Test match is going to give us quite an interesting indication of the brands of cricket, if we can put it that way, that some countries will play across their different teams and. I'm kind of interested to see if the England women, the England men, and then maybe filtering down to under-19 sides or domestic sides will all adopt this particular way of playing, which is really aggressive, really entertaining. Because ultimately, I mean, we saw this great article from Ben Stokes and Players Tribune a couple of weeks ago, perhaps it was last week, talking about, you know, all all we want to do is entertain people and, and make sure they're enjoying themselves because there's so much else out there. And then Australia, I think, have quite a different mindset in that of course the world test championship final was hugely entertaining and their women's team have been boringly entertaining in that they've won everything over the last however long but uh, they seem to have that champion mindset you know winning is 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 absolutely the ultimate for them it's the utmost and it's, it's interesting to see this almost two clash of cricketing cultures across both men's and women's cricket from the distance of the very cold cape which is where we are at the moment Uh, But you're going to be seeing it firsthand. I'm sure you're super excited. What's the one thing you'd like our listeners to look forward to over the next week? Well, I think there's a lot to happen between now and then also. I mean, um, just going back to what you were saying about the the various brands of, of Red Bull cricket, John Lewis, the England women's head coach, was saying yesterday that he sort of wishes there was a bit more Red Bull preparation, which makes sense. Um, whether that be 
domestic uh, two-day games uh, with a red ball when they're leading into a, a test match, uh, whether that be a little bit more time within England camp so that they can play some red ball matches within. So between, so basically this week, starting on Thursday, uh, as I mentioned, England A are going to play the Australians in a three-day match um, and England are going to play Australia A in another three-day match in Derby. So that's basically going to provide some added data for both teams uh, to look at one selection but also how they approach this over here because there are opportunities to gather that information and how we approach you know red ball cricket and how we get our fast bowlers you know ready for the loads they're going to face and how we manage them and, and how we tell them what to expect this sort of next week is going to basically provide them with a little bit more information and probably the best most up-to-date indication they've got as to how they want to approach this so there could be some some telling factors also too in that England A game um, the England A side is going to be captained by Lauren Winfield Hill so she was in the England setup uh, lost her place in uh, basically in the, the England reckoning uh, back during the one day World Cup at the start of last year, uh, returned for the tour of the Caribbean at the end of uh, the year just past. But she hasn't really, um, you know, sort of forced her way back in despite having some really good domestic form. So this week is another opportunity for her to show what she can do uh, in the longer format and, and, you know, maybe push her name forward if they are looking to make sweeping changes. So I think between now and next week at Trent Bridge, we've got a little bit, uh, a little bit to look forward to, yeah? Yeah, plenty. And I'm really pleased to hear that John Lewis agrees with my take on it, that there has to be more Red Bull prep. So I suppose it's not that much. It's two matches that you've mentioned and lots at stake for all the names that, that we spoke about. But that's the kind of prep that I think hopefully we should see going forward for those few tests that women are going to play in the next FTP. Uh, I still think that it really needs the format, if it's going to be showcased, needs to be planned for and prepared for properly. And I guess this week will hopefully support some of that argument and maybe get some of those players into the main side ahead of, of next week's big test match, where you'll be following everything for us from Trent Bridge and we'll bring you all the latest um, ladies who switch very soon.